It was around this time, a number of years ago, and it was the time when I was doing my field ed at a church in Connecticut in a town called Norwalk. It was St. Paul's on the Green, a small but vibrant church that was on top of a grassy mound in the middle of the town. And the church building was a Gothic building only from the 1920s, but that was the site of where the church had been since back in the 1700s. And surrounding the church was a bona fide graveyard, a graveyard that went back to the Revolutionary War and before. It was pretty dramatic. I remember some of the graves were just paper thin and they would suddenly just fall over and get propped up in different places. You couldn't even make out the writing anymore because they were so old. And compared to here in Connecticut at this time, autumn comes a little earlier. You get the changing of the leaves and the changing of the air. The whole feeling was already shifting. And the darkness was descending upon the land. And in that context, we had an outdoor blessing of the animals service. And we held the blessing of the animals service right on the steps of the church, surrounded by those ancient graves. Now, I have experienced quite a few blessing of the animal services, and perhaps many of you have as well, and I always associate them with uh, smiles and sort of a cute experience, and you see the, the fluffy animals and a lot of children. This wasn't that. People were bringing their animals, and it became clear after a number of these animals that were brought forward to be blessed it became clear that this was going to be the last blessing of the animals for many of these animals. And in fact, we could have maybe renamed it the last rites of the animals. <laughs> Sad to say. There were many tears. And it was eye-opening. And for me, myself, I'm a lover of animals, so I can understand it. It's a profound thing when we have the opportunity to encounter an animal that becomes part of our lives, and then we get to experience their simplicity and their purity. We can allow them to be a bridge to the wonders of the universe, things that we can access through nature. Faith is not always spoken in words. And we have a tendency of throwing words at our faith life, with wordy prayers, wordy sermons, wordy books. But the faith journey cannot really happen if it is only in the head. Rather, we need to bring the head into the heart. And that's where Francis comes in. His brilliance was about humility, letting go of ego, letting go of material things. I think he would be really uncomfortable with the way that we celebrate him and elevate him uh, the way the world does today because he lowered himself, hoping that it would set an example for all of us as well. Somebody once gave me a postcard that had a picture on the front of Francis's actual robe, which apparently still exists and it's in a museum in Italy. And it wasn't what I was expecting. I would have expected a robe kind of like those handsome robes that you see the Franciscan friars wear. This was nothing like that. 
It was a collection of random pieces of fabric, different colors, different shapes, crudely sewn together. It just looked like a big sack. Francis humbled himself. And of course, he was also famous for his friendship with animals. And some say he could even speak with them and could understand what they were saying. So we had this reading that may have been a little bit confusing for everybody to hear from the Old Testament. The the first reading we had today, um, be honest. Do you understand what that was about? Did you hear that? Um, Being good Episcopalians, I think everybody nodded and said, word of the Lord, thanks be to God. But what was that about? Well, and I wonder, you know, what was the thought when they gave that reading for this day to mark the celebration of St. Francis? Well, I have a couple theories. One is that it mentions a lot of animals. A lot of animals are, are mentioned in that reading. But it's also a reading about wonder and about wisdom. And so let me give you the context of it. Um, Job, this is towards the end of the book of Job, and many horrible things have happened to Job. And when Job is registering his displeasure with God, God gives him this response. A few verses before, this this is how the response begins. God answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you shall declare to me, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy. And God goes on like this for quite a while and then starts getting into the animals, which is where we pick this up. When God says, do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the deer? Can you number the months that they fulfill? And do you know the time when they give birth? God lists a number of animals and finally gets to the wildest part of all, this final part about the ostrich. God says that God has made it forget wisdom and has given it no share in understanding. When it spreads its plumes aloft, it laughs at the horse and its rider. It's two things. Standing in awe, something that rightfully should overwhelm us with wonder, the created order, and also a warning not to lose wisdom like the crazy ostrich. And then we hear in the gospel this evocative statement by Jesus when he says, I thank you, Father, that you have made these things hidden from the wise, hidden from the intelligent, and have revealed them to infants. We think that by being wise and intelligent, we can know about God and all else. But we learn about God not by building ourselves up, but rather by opening ourselves up. We can access God by simply paying attention. And that might mean slowing down, seeking simplicity, 
taking time to stand in awe and wonder. This is something that I fear has gone out of style in our busy, postmodern way of living. I encountered a statistic recently that really took me back. The statistic is that the average attention span of an American in the year 2000, it was 12 seconds. And the average attention span of an American in the year 2013 was eight seconds. I don't know what the average attention span in the year 2021 is. I'm a little bit afraid to find out. But get this, especially if you are a lover of animals, the average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. <laughs> and I bet you in 10 years, the average attention span of goldfish will still be nine seconds. What would it look like for us to don our brown robes? To let go of ego, of self-centeredness, and instead become God-centered, like Francis. To bask in the wonders of creation. And if we could open ourselves to receive like that, we might find that it is the true language of faith. We would see that God is present in every leaf, every paw, in the sun and the moon, and in all else in the created order. Amen.